Welcome to Nobody Told Me That, your source for candid business talk and stories. Your host is speaker and author Teresa Duncan. Sit back, buckle up, and hang on. Nobody told me that. Uh, I, Kevin Henry and I were on site at the Denturex Business of Dentistry Conference, and I did something a little bit different this time. I gave you the behind the scenes of what it's like to set up your course and get ready to speak and present to a crowd. Then Kevin and I got together and did a whole wrap up of day one and just kind of went over what we saw there on the exhibit hall and how our courses went. And then you're going to hear from me again when I tell you what it's like to wrap up a course and what it's like once the course is over and you're getting ready to pack up all of your stuff and what do you do with attendees that are lingering around. And then the the final session will be uh, me talking about the whole business of dentistry. I'm going to do a wrap up of day one and day two. So this edition of Nobody Told Me That is kind of a cobbled together edition, but it's because we had so much going on at the uh, Dentrix conference. And I hope that you enjoy the behind the scenes look at what it is like to present and uh, be a speaker. And I definitely will do more of that for you because I get really good feedback from people when I give them the behind the scenes. I don't want them to make the same mistakes that I've made. I want them to never have to say, nobody told me that. So sit back, buckle up, enjoy the uh, four sessions here, and we'll see you for the next episode. We are about 15 minutes away from starting my No More Headaches course. I'm all set up. I have got my uh, PowerPoint set up. I have got my clicker going. I have my bag for my giveaway because I'm going to give away two copies of the book. I just wanted to give you um, an understanding of what it's like when you come into a room and you set it up. So first thing is you always take a look at the projector and make sure that the projector is, of course, there. (laughs) And since we're 15 minutes out, I'm going to make sure that the projector is up and running because it's sometimes takes a long time for them to warm up. And so want to make sure that that's up and running. Um, Actually, let me back up. The first thing you do is always make sure you locate an an AV guy. Um, They are always running around and you will see them everywhere until until you need them. (laughs) Then they become very, very elusive. And so you want to make sure that they are, um, that you have a number or you have their information. Um, And I don't know if you can hear that, but I'm putting real close. Hear that that fan? That's a good sign. That means that the motor on the projector is working, and trust me, sometimes you have to check that. So I am here at Caesar's Palace in uh, in Vegas, of course, and Dentrix. This is the Dentrix business of dentistry, and what is really wonderful is that they have a dedicated AV team here from the um, from the hotel, and there's a card that they've put here for me, and that way I have a complete. You know, I have somebody that I can call on an emergency. Good morning. There are people who are trickling in, so let me keep keep going through my run-through here. Uh, So I also, and this is personal, you don't have to do it, but I also take um, two to three Advil because I'm speaking in heels and my feet get pretty painful. Uh, So that always helps to keep the swelling down. I also take um, two Benadryls. Now, if you can't take antihistamines without falling asleep, I don't recommend that, but the antihistamines help me because it helps keep my voice clear. When you're speaking for a long time, and this is only an hour and 15 minutes, but when you're speaking for a long time, it really does affect your voice. 
So the next thing that I look at is making sure that my computer is hooked up and the screen is actually up and running, and it is. So then my clicker, I'm going to double, I'm going to go through a couple of my slides. And since there are people in the room, I'm going to do it pretty quickly because I don't want them to see everything. And I apologize if my voice is dropping, but that's what happens when you have people in the room. Uh, okay, so that works. And then I make sure that my phone is on vibrate. I make sure I have my goodies to give away. I have those ready to go. I also make sure that I have my business cards up and running because people are going to ask me information and I want to have that ready to go. Uh, nothing worse than seeing a, a speaker bent over into, the, um, into her bag trying to dig out a business card that may or may not already be written on. Uh, let's see. So during the course, I will, uh, what I'm going to do is set an alarm for 15 minutes before the end of the course, because my smartwatch will vibrate and let me know that I need to kind of wrap it up. And if it's going really well, and I'm on time, then I can then, you know, give us some time for uh, questions. But if we're running behind, then I know to be, um, you know, kind of keep keeping people from, from doing that by saying, you know, I'd love to talk to you about this. Um, let's talk about it after the class. Uh, that way it's not, uh, it's not taking up the time. And then I would just wrap it up. And then at the end, there's always uh, people standing in line to talk to me and ask me insurance questions because it is such a hot topic. And then what, from that point on, you have to be really respectful because there is probably somebody else using your room afterwards. And so I am going to talk to them, but I'm going to say, come over here, let me, you know, I'm going to listen to you while I pack up. I'm listening to you, though, but go ahead and give me your question. And then that way I can pack up and get out of the room in time for the next presenter. Uh, many times there are, there's zero turnover between speakers. Um, and sometimes you have 15, 20 minutes or a half hour, and that's okay. But um, I believe we only have 15 or 20 minutes in between, and I want to be very respectful of the next speaker. Okay, uh, the last and most important part of your speaker prep um, is to go get a cup of coffee and to make sure that you have a drink ready. I tend to drink a lot during my courses, and so I'll make sure I will have water. I'll make sure I have coffee. Uh, and then, of course, that means by the end of the, the class, um, after I talk to everybody, I am on my way to the bathroom. But that's what happens. So uh, it, it's, it's fun. Um, love to do it all day, every day. And uh, I'm looking forward to this. It looks like there's going to be a full room um, over I can definitely see over 100, 150 seats here, and uh, I'll post a picture up on that in the show notes. Uh, and then that's it. I am just going to breathe, have a good time, enjoy myself, and talk insurance with people who love it. Some maybe hate it, but people who love it just as much as I do. Okay, until the next Behind the Scenes, this is Teresa. Okay, we are live at the Business of Dentistry, BDC 2017. And this morning, I talked a little bit about what I do as far as prep before a course. Kevin, what do you do before a course? Any superstitions? No, you know, the biggest thing that I do is I try to make the attendees feel welcome whenever they come in. I love to talk to them. I love to ask a couple of them where they're from. You know, that way I'm a real person. I'm not somebody who's up there going to preach to them. I want it to be more interactive and them to feel comfortable. And uh, Has you anyone know. ever said, I'm from Tulsa, and what do you Oh, do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, last night at the BDC Bash, yeah. there was actually a lady from Siloam Springs, Arkansas, and that is originally where my mom's side of the family is from, and oh. so we had a very in-depth conversation about Arkansas, which I know listeners are going, ooh. I love Arkansas. Yeah, I think great, Arkansas is beautiful. And Northwest Arkansas is gorgeous, and, you know, me being a Tulsa guy, that was two hours away, so that was a nice little getaway, usually. So in the Northwest 
corner of Arkansas is where Walmart is, right? Absolutely, Bentonville, Arkansas. So exactly. I was, I remember taking a cab, and the cab driver told me that they call them Walmartians. <laughs> it would not surprise <laughs> me. Because they're such a different breed of yeah. people, right? Well, you know, and they've literally built an airport there that has DFW flights every day because people have to go to Walmart now, you know? And so it's a really nice airport. Anyway, sorry. All right. So we went way off there. No, it's fine. This is what we do. So (laughs) when you are plugging in, you're getting your stuff ready. Like what, what do you do? Walk us through the ritual. Projector Uh, check. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, we'll do the, and, and I will say there are some great AV people around the country at these facilities who help us sound good and look good. But yeah, I will, I'll run through a couple slides, you know, click back and forth to make sure everything's working right. Uh, you know, as crazy as it sounds, I'll make sure that it's the right presentation, know, you know, right? yeah, in the right city, <laughs> you know. Remember that whole Southwest Airlines commercial, hello Detroit, and they were in Cleveland, oh, you know. Gosh. Yeah, so, yeah, so, you know, you just make sure about that. And, and really, I get comfortable whenever I talk to people, and then we kind of create that short bond. So that's the most important part of prep to me. I mean, you and I have given these lectures so many times, it is almost second nature, but the audience, it's their first time, so I really want them to have a good experience. Now, so our courses here yeah. are only an hour and 15 minutes. Yeah. So that's tough. I mean, typically, what is it, like two, three hours yeah. that you're used to yeah, talking? Yeah, absolutely. And I know, oh, gosh, I've given for the ICOI. ADIA programs, those were from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. So that's that's like a crazy amount of talking. Yeah. Isn't it hard to do an hour and 15? It is because, yeah, I'm getting ready to, right after this, going to go to give my dental assistant uh, lecture on the battling being the demons. And it's a three-hour lecture. And I really, it's not like I go, oh, well, that's fat. I can cut it out. I mean, yeah, it's going to be tough. So I'm going to tell them, hey, buckle up because we're going to fly through this thing. It's crazy, though, because it's almost like... If you had, like, six kids, you had to pick one kid to not, like, <laughs> right. dress up for a dinner. Exactly. <laughs> like, which, what do I do with great. this one? I mean, I, I had to cut out a couple slides, and it was awful because I feel like if they don't get those slides, then they're never going to, you know. Absolutely. They need to know what's on that slide. Well, and, and it's also a good way, you know, trick of the trade here. It's a good way for us to say, well, hey, give me your email address, and no, we can follow true. up afterwards or whatever. So mm-hmm. I know I'm going to have to do that because I'm not going to get to all the points I want to today, I know. Uh, hour and 15 is tough. And yeah. I know... Dentrix are so much at this convention. I mean, your lovely bride is giving seven courses. Yes. And uh, I know our friend Janice has had, she's got like yeah. six or seven oh, yeah. courses too. Yeah, it's it's crazy. And, and again, they're all important. Yeah. And yeah. So I'm sure these people are walking around with their heads swimming at the moment with all this information. But, you know, hey. Head swimming, and then also because of the party last night, maybe even a little pounding, right? Uh, yeah, you know they had drums at this morning's opening session, and oh. the, and the keynote speaker joked, "What's better than a night of alcohol to have drums?" You know, the next morning. So, uh, <laughs> which I thought was good. That's great. <laughs> so I miss Stanley Bergman talking. Yeah. He's the CEO Henry Shine, who I just I'm am- I'm amazed because he's got vet, yeah. medical, dental, and the dude is like in every market and he knows his stuff oh yeah what was was there a takeaway this morning yeah you know the biggest takeaway i think is you know he talked about the recession he talked about where we've been and, and it was almost a history lesson but then when he starts talking about the 3d the the printing 3d printing the technology mm. that's coming you know this is a guy that measures his words but you could tell there's an excitement behind those words oh, whenever cool. he talks about the technology that's coming and, and how it's not just going to make dental practices more profitable it's actually going to change lives wow. you know and, and so that was really a point that that got driven home to me this so morning so 3d printer so i have a friend who just bought a 3d printer and yeah. he printed up a hinge for his 
cabinet door, I guess, in his kitchen that he'd been meaning to fix. Yeah. So he 3D printed a hinge. Yeah. Like so. Remember when we were talking about cloning your assistant? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's going to 3D print an assistant? Uh, you know, it's <laughs> it's going to happen at some point. I'm just telling you. At some point, it's going to. But, yeah, I mean, you know, the, the keynote speaker this morning talked about that her friend had had a veneer 3D printed in an emergency oh. situation. Uh, whenever it fell off right for a big speech he was getting ready to give. And... You know, and, and whenever I was at the IDS meeting in Cologne, there's specifically material being created for 3D printers now for Crown and Bridge. I mean, it's coming. Wow. It absolutely yeah. is. I mean, the technology's got to be brutal, though, for a, oh, a solo think. dentist yeah. to have to afford this. I mean, uh, they're already struggling with the CAT scans, the CBCT, and yeah. now 3D printing. It, my guess is it's going to be a lot like the computers and so many other things that yeah. start out so crazy and then, you know, shrunk in price. But wow. let's say it's going to be interesting. It would make sense, I guess. Maybe they're going to have leasing options because yeah, to purchase so. these types of and, equipment. And, you know, and I know that a lot of places around the country share 3D scanners mm-hmm. or, That's or true. you know, CBCTs. So it's very possible, I think, they could share 3D printers, too. It's very possible. That And that noise in the background, that wasn't Griffin falling again. Because <laughs> we're in Vegas and Griffin's not here. My dog, God bless. It was actually uh, people getting rowdy at the photo booth here. It's Vegas, baby. Time. I know. <laughs> um, okay. Oh, they're, they're going again. All right. Um, so 3D printing. I'm just, I'm, I'm really just, I'm I'm just fascinated yeah. because I'm trying to think of all the things you could 3D print. Of course, composites, crowns, and all of that. I'm just wondering, is there like like partials and dentures? I mean, yeah, is that I, what they're looking I, at I, I think that you're going to get to that point. I mean, if you're not there now, and, and I firmly believe in some lab somewhere in this great world, it's being done as we speak. Gosh, that's I really amazing. do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and and, I, and again, going back, I think that's what Stanley was so excited about is that not only is this technology available, but it's not like it's sci-fi. I mean, it's mm. coming quickly, and so that, that's going to be a really cool thing. So sci-fi, what's your favorite sci-fi movie? <sighs> you know, an oldie but goodie, um, and now I can't think of the name of it. Ah. Oh, gosh. Describe it. Is it Flash Gordon? Oh, well, Flash is a classic, let's be <laughs> honest here. No, it's the one where the USS Nimitz goes back in time and has the opportunity to stop the final countdown. It has the opportunity to stop the. That. It has the opportunity to stop the attack on Pearl Harbor. Really? Yeah. Oh, I don't think I've seen it's, that. Uh, Is it newer? Or? No, no, no. It's Kirk Douglas and oh. uh, Martin Sheen. It's a very interesting movie. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, you know. Uh, oh, that's a good one. I don't yeah. think I've ever heard yeah, that one. Yeah, I'll throw that one out there. Yeah, that's All an right. oldie but good. Well, I thought for sure you were going to go like, Flash. Oh, oh. <laughs> So, and so, let's see. You? Let me think of the other one. Flash. Well, of course, the alien and aliens mm-hmm. type. Um, science fiction, I think The Thing is probably my favorite Thing's good. movie. Absolutely. I like that movie a lot. So, But I'm a big horror, horror buff, and uh, one day we'll talk about Yes. All the horror movies I like to watch because other we may gross some people out. We're well, trying to be respectable here at the business of dentistry. <laughs> so okay, um, we're going to go ahead and wrap this up. Kevin does have to go and present his uh, assisting class, right? I do, but we're going to come back and talk round two. I know, and I'm excited about that. Yep, we'll do that, and then we will. Uh, oh, and I have to be part of a panel. Yes, we'll do that, and then we have a vendor vendor reception later to, today, mm-hmm. and I'm doing a book signing there. Cool. Uh, and one day your book will be also front and center Very and ready. About to go yeah i'm excited uh all right so from business of dentistry we're signing off for now last time we talked about how to prep before a course and and what do you do when attendees are coming in and how do you get your computer ready and get your 
clicker ready and all of that. I wanted to walk you through the back end of it, what happens towards uh, the, the end of your course and how do you deal with audience reaction. What ends up happening is, is you will keep an eye on the clock. And, and how I do this in particular is, is two ways. If I have a host, um, I will let them know that I would, I would very greatly appreciate um, a 15 minute uh, heads up. And so usually it's just them lifting a piece of paper up at me or raising their hand up at me, some sort of signal. Uh, and that lets me know that I'm, uh, that I'm on time. That's, kind of, that's my backup. My primary method is that I have an alarm on my phone and it syncs up with my smartwatch. And then that way I have uh, a little a gentle vibrate on my wrist and that tells me, hey, it's time you need to wrap it up. Sometimes, though, like this particular last class, I goofed and didn't uh, actually had it so that the phone um, music started. And so the people in the front row row were were kind of laughing because I, I a song started playing from my phone. But that was a good way of letting everybody know, hey, we were at 15 minutes. But usually I'm a lot more subtle than that. Okay, so when you hit the 15 minute mark, you really need to bring it home. And, and depending on the type of class that you're giving, you may or may not be wanting uh, to allow for Q&A. Now, my, my particular subject matter management and insurance lends itself very well to Q&A. And um, I've, been, I've been lucky enough in my speaking to be very good at Q&A. I love Q&A. In fact, if I could just get paid to do Q&A, that would be awesome. Um, but it, it, we need, I need to give them meat in the class, but definitely at the end, when people are doing Q&A, the, the science behind Q&A is that people in the audience really want to know that they aren't alone, that they are having issues that everybody else is having. And when there is that bonding in the audience, you get a real strong feeling coming out of that class that you're okay. Whatever path you're on, wherever you are, you're okay. Um, and so... We, we tend to encourage, as speakers, we tend to encourage Q&A during the course. Um, my issue with speakers who don't allow any Q&A, they just kind of barrel through the course, is they're it really either they're very nervous about the content or they're, um, they're just needing to get out of there. They're, they're needing to get going. And so what I tend to do is make sure that I have a little bit of time. I always allow Q&A in between, and you always have to control the Q&A that comes during your class. And we can talk about that because there's a whole method of dealing with that. So at the end, there's the 15 minute mark. I want to know, I'm asking myself, do I need to bring a certain point home? Because maybe there was something that resonated with the audience. And then also I want to make sure that I'm there um, to answer any of the late, the, the last questions that pop up. Okay, so that's all done. You say goodbye, you're gracious, you thank them for their time. You always make sure, always as a presenter, to remind them to complete their surveys and to uh, get their CE going. A lot of times your host will do that, but myself as a speaker, I always say, remember to fill out your course evaluations. So first thing is meeting planners love that because they need these course evaluations. They need to know if they're on the right track. As a speaker, I need to know if I'm also on the right track. Am I doing a good job? Am I um, connecting with my audience? And then hopefully if the reviews are really, really good, then I can then connect um, back with the meeting planner and say, you know, hey, I had such a good time there. My audience really seemed to love me. Any chance I could get back. And that's there's a whole art of how to get invited back as well. And that's another topic that we can get into. But for the most part, um, I want to make sure that the meeting planner knows that I'm putting in just as much effort 
um, as they are. Okay, so you ask for the surveys. You go ahead and let everybody go. They're, they're on their way out. Um, because of the subject matter that I have, insurance or management, there are always, always uh, questions. There are always people afterwards waiting to talk to me. And the joke amongst my hosts is, you know, um, we should probably bring lunch into you because you, you typically stay at least 30 minutes after the course to answer questions. And of course, that's not if if someone is waiting to use the room, obviously I don't do that, but but that really does happen. And one of the uh, sayings that I, I'll, I'll put out there is that I am always the last one to leave the room. And, and that is very true. And I, I've tried very hard to be that speaker that does not just end their course and run out the door. And, and I have seen my share of that. And I think it's a it's a terrible way to do business and it's a terrible way to educate. And so uh, I need to make sure that when, when you all leave the room, that I've answered your question to the best of my ability at that moment. Because what ends up happening is you'll go back and ask deeper questions and I'm not there yet. Uh, I'm not there in your head. And so that's why I get emails later or I will get uh, comments on my Facebook page or, or something like that. But at the moment, I want to be able to have answered all the questions that I can. Okay, let's walk through the logistics though. So while I am... Uh, answering questions, a lot of times I will ask the person who's talking to me, I'll say to them, you know, hey, come over here, come talk to me while I pack up. I'm still listening, but let's let's talk about this. And so I will go ahead and, and pack up my computer. And especially, like I've said before, if there's somebody waiting to, uh, to, to be in that room afterwards. So pack up the computer, um, sit down if I need to, if there's, if there's empty chairs and I'm okay with staying in the room for a little bit, you know, I'll, I'll invite them, Hey, have a seat, especially if there's open seating. What usually will end up happening is about five or six people will sit down. Now, two or three of those people will have questions and the rest of them really just want to hear the answers. And that really speaks to that. Um, what I said earlier about how people, when they are asking questions, they really just want to know that they're okay, that they're doing okay in their office because they're they're so nervous that they that they are not doing okay. And many times you all are operating on your own all by yourself until the next CE meeting and not everybody gets to CE all of the time because of schedules, budgets, whatever. So a lot of times we just have to have faith that we're doing the right thing. So so conversations like these and these big Q&A forums that I have are really a way of um, validating that you're on the right path, or maybe we need to course correct a little bit. Okay, so I, I'm i walking out of the room. Let's get to the point where we're walking out of the room. Any AV people that are there, I always make a point of thanking them. I go up and I thank them and I, sh- I shake their hand. If they did a really good job, I will always let the meeting planner know. Um, I just think that that gives back. The AV people really are the, are the unsung heroes um, of these meetings. I mean, they really, if they did not care, none of our projectors would work. Um, none of my mics would have uh, power to them. Uh, they're always the ones that make sure the lavalier battery packs are fresh. Um, and they always make sure that the projectors are warmed up and ready to go. It's it's a whole, you know, they, they know what they're doing. Now, that being said, I run into some that are just awful. And those, I always make sure to let the meeting planner know that I had certain problems. These AV companies, they get paid good amounts of money to do what they do. And so they need to be on top of their game. Um, from what I understand, too, it's common practice for... Uh, AV companies to subcontract out to local AV people. And so that helps them 
know whether or not the local talent is up to par as well. Okay, so I'm done thanking everybody. I'm on my way back to the exhibit hall, or perhaps I'm done for the day. I'm going to get out of there. Um, I, I never, ever leave the area unless I stop by the registration desk or the office where the uh, meeting planner is. And on a big show like Star of the North or CDA or anything like that, they have speaker lounges and they also have official offices for the staff. And I always stop in um, to see my contacts and to say, you know, this has been a great day, kind of give them a quick report. It's going to be, you know, three, four minute conversations. They're running around everywhere. But I'm going to check in with them. And if they're not there, they're not available, then I'll leave a little note or I'll just do a quick text to them to let them know, hey, wrapping up for the day, great crowd, wonderful job, all of that stuff. Um, You know, give some feedback. And then sometimes you do leave the convention without seeing the meeting planner again, especially for CDA, the big meetings like that. Um, And also ADA, there are many times when you will check in, you'll see your meeting planner once and then you'll never see them again. Um, Maybe you'll see them the next year or the next time that you get invited back or you'll get an email from them. So often you don't see them again, but when you can always make an effort to do that. That's just going above and beyond. Okay, so then the follow up after that is in my in my classes. I always um, offer to give them forms. I offer to give them PDFs of my slides. Um, It's hard for me to send the slides ahead of time because my information changes so much and they usually want this months ahead of time. So I always offer to send them to uh, the attendees. They just need to give me their email address and their name. Um, And then I always let them know I'm going to add you to my newsletter list. If you do not want to be on my newsletter list, just write on there, no newsletter. I'm not going to be offended. And I'm not. It's some people don't like to get newsletters. It's fine. Some people are there listening to my class and they they're not insurance coordinators so why would they want my newsletter i get that so then what i do is i take all of those email addresses back and then i will um send them an email with links to download the information so that's part of my follow-up process and then of course they're back they're now into my list and any webinars upcoming or any local meetings uh because i i can figure that out where they are geographically um I I can then target them for webinars or local meetings. And and usually my unsubscribe rate is pretty low and and it's because I think I'm not spamming them. I'm not sending them an awful lot of information. So uh, I I know that there are are certain companies out there that just, you know, every day you're gonna get an email from them or two or three emails a day, um, you know, and I get a lot of uh, newsletters from the tech world and from the healthcare world. And so I'm always getting emails, sometimes two, three a day from the same company. So when I I firmly believe that when someone gives you their email address, they're really opening up to you, they're connecting with you. And so we try not to abuse that at all. Um, We try to send information um, with every email. If it's something about a webinar, I'm gonna send you a little tip along with it. I'm not just gonna send you um, a webinar blast and just put that in your face all the time. And I I think that's a good relationship to have with your user base. So I took you from the end when I'm closing up everything and oh, you know what the most important thing is that you do at the end of your speech is you make sure if you had a clicker, you brought your clicker, that you take the clicker back with you and most important is you take your power cord. I can't tell you how many times I've gone to plug in my power cord and there's been somebody else's power cord there. AV guys tell me that speakers leave their power cords there all of the time. And so mine has a little um, shiny uh, tape on it. And I just, I'm now trained to make sure that I take my power cord everywhere. 
um, just for uh, just in case. I have a spare power cord for this computer, my main computer. I have a spare power cord here at the house so that if I do lose it somewhere when I get home, I'm able to plug in um, and get going with that. So there's, you know, when you're a speaker, multiple redundancies are the way to go. Multiple power cords, multiple connections. You can never count on AV having your HDMI connection or your USB connection. If you're a Mac user, you have a whole special set of connections that you use. Um, So it's all about being prepared as with anything else. Okay, so hopefully that gives you a little bit of insight into the world of speaking and what it's like before and after. And stay tuned, we're going to have some wrap-ups from the Business of Dentistry. All right, Business of Dentistry has wrapped up and Kevin and I actually did our podcast right outside of the hall uh, when it was closing up and unfortunately we had a corrupted file so I'm going to do our wrap-up based on my memory. We talked about so many things and we actually were doing our podcast right outside of where Lois Banta was doing a book signing and of course I got to see a lot of my friends leaving and and making their way out and heard nothing but good things. Dr. Anderson and her office were there who are clients of Odyssey Management and specifically specifically Michelle, who is one of our consultants. And Steve Jeffrey came over to say hi to us, and he's with Dentrix. And we had a couple people wave as they went by, and it was just a really, really good atmosphere. Um, We had given our industry um, insight course, industry perspectives course that morning, and it was a very good... uh, it was a very good outing. We usually, it's a three hour course usually. And we went, we went to a 90 minute, actually, no, it was 70 minute, 75 minute course. And so we really had to kind of cram a whole bunch of stuff in there. And it seems like we, we did a good job. The feedback was good, but we had some interesting feedback. A couple doctors approached Kevin to, um, talk to him about the, the solo practitioner and multi-location practices that we had discussed. Uh, part of Kevin's talk is, is going over a lot of the statistics from the Health Policy Institute and also from a lot of the, the in, um, magazines that we read, the, the periodicals that we read and the blogs and so forth. And everything points to solo practitioners, you know, uh, maintaining a much smaller uh, section of the marketplace. And, and a couple doctors, actually two doctors came up to Kevin independently and were saying to him, well, it's, it sounds like it's all doom and gloom when it comes to the solo practitioner. They were both solo practitioners. And, uh, you know, we, we talked about the fact that the, the course is not meant to discourage you from being a solo practitioner. There's absolutely a lot of room for that out there. And and you can still grow and succeed as a solo practitioner. In fact, there's there's a lot of uh, talk in the consulting world, the management consulting world, in that there's a, a segment, there's a segmentation now. There's uh, many consultants who don't want to work with group practices, and then there's many who don't want to work with solo practices. Um, same thing with de novo startups at, at de novo practices, and. and Usually um, a startup is very uh, labor intensive. It's kind of hold your hand type consulting and many, many consultants don't want that. And then some consultants really thrive on that. So there's always going to be a market for the solo practitioner. The patients are always going to be there. There's, we're going to have patients. So the message that these doctors heard from the talk was of of the opinion, they they had the opinion that it was kind of a, a a bad outlook for them, 
And we talked, Kevin and I had talked a little bit about that's that's not really what we wanted to get across. And so let's clear this up a little bit. I think that there's absolutely a lot of room out there for a solo practitioner or the the traditional um, solo practitioner with with one to two, maybe even three associates. Now, when you get into multi-locations and groups, that's a whole different um, ballpark. But for the most part, when you're in a a rural area or a a not saturated area, it's going to make sense for you to um, have a small office. You may not need to have a huge office, so there's always going to be room for that. And then there's also going to be, uh, even in the saturated markets, there's going to be little niches and offices that are going to be perfect for a one to two doctor office. You know, it's different strokes for different folks. There's a lot of people out there who don't want to practice on a big scale. They don't want to have huge uh, operations. They would really like to keep it simple. I understand that completely, and and that's very much appreciated. Um, From my point of view, it's, it's a much easier office to work with. But when you get to the larger offices, there's a different dynamic, and it's, it's exciting as well. Um, it's not easier and it's not harder. It's just different. There's a lot more challenges involved, but just surely, surely because of the, um, the size of staff. Staff and systems are always going to be that deciding factor in whether or not your practice is going to succeed. Staff and systems. That is really going to be uh, what is going to make or break your practice. And so um, we certainly are going to talk about this a little bit more on a, on a later podcast about uh, how, how, to subs- how to succeed as a small uh, office. And I already have some guests in mind that are going to help us do that. So keep, keep tuned for that. Now, what was interesting was the uh, discussion about insurance. Insurance is always going to be um, a big topic of this insider perspective course uh, because it is shaping pretty much everything. It shapes all of the financial decisions that uh, participating offices make, and so we definitely can't turn our you know we can't turn away from that. We have to kind of grab the bull by the horns with this. Um, I w- it was interesting. I was sitting in on Heidi Arndt's course, and Heidi is a hygienist who also teaches to groups. You know, she does a lot of group work. Um, but she was speaking to hygienists and, and talking about how to be more productive um, and just how to really uh, set your systems, your hygiene systems into place. What was interesting is she gave me a shout out because I was sitting in the back of the room. Um, you know, she said basically, if anybody wants to know about coding, specifically the 4346. Uh, code, you know, go see Teresa. She's sitting in the back of the room. And it was really nice of her to do this. And this is something that consultants do when we see each other sitting in the room. Um, and so, you know, you just don't kind of think anything of it. Well, at the end of the class, uh, I had about five people waiting to talk to me because uh, coding has become a bigger part of being a hygienist. And it was something that they wanted to talk to me about. And that is indicative of my position that all members of the office really do need to know what's going on with insurance in order to be an effective team member and to help the office move towards meeting its financial goals. Uh, You're going to, you're going to meet the patient's oral health needs just by being a healthcare provider. You're working towards that. But as a collective, you all need to work towards being a financially solvent um, office or else no one no one comes to work the next day. So there is definitely that successful business component that we need to make sure um, is functional and in place. What else I did at the uh, conference, and, and it, it was fun. It was a lot of fun. Uh, I, I was part of an insurance panel 
uh, with Lois Banta and Christine Taxon. And Christine Taxon uh, does mostly medical billing. That's really what she's known for, and she's carved out a little niche there. Um, and also Lois Banta, who is management and uh, you know has been talking about insurance coding for a while. And it was a really good panel. The room was full, uh, lots and lots of questions. Um, on network participation, and we talked a little bit about Medicare, but but really the big confusion that I saw from the crowd was networks. Uh, which network am I in? What can I do if the network is being changed up? What can I do to find out uh, which network I'm I'm in? And then that led to another discussion, which was about the rights of the provider. So the rights of the provider are a funny thing because. One thing I, I always talk about in classes, and this is really, really hard, really hard for doctors to hear, is that the contract is what we go by, and it's simple contract law. Uh, and and there's you know before a contract is signed, there's consideration, meaning one party gives up something, and the other party gives up another, and then you meet to this, you you meet in the middle, and that's where the contract takes place. So if if you sign the contract and you are not aware of the consideration that you've given up, then there's a there's an issue there. There's a there's a failing there. Any contract that you sign needs to be read and, and explored carefully uh, before the signing, ideally. So when doctors are upset about network changes and, and fee schedules and all of that, they absolutely have reason because it is confusing. But there is a little bit of responsibility on the doctor's part that they do need to read these contracts and to see um, what they're what to expect. Uh, I mentioned in the panel that the ADA has a service where they will take a look at your contract and just point out everything. I mean, they're not going to act as your advisors. That's not what they do. But they can certainly let you know if there's something in there that's going to cause you some trouble. And and that's that is why you need to be. Um, a member and and at least avail yourself of either their legal counsel or you know find outside legal counsel to take a look at it. I, I have met way too many offices who have signed tons of network contracts and never had anybody take a look at it. They basically thought that one one contract was the same as another. So in this insurance panel, lots of conversation about networks, lots of conversation about rights. Uh, and then something was brought up, a topic was brought up, you know, do we help our patients as much as possible um, with their benefits? And and there was a little bit of a disagreement, but honestly, it, it really wasn't much of a disagreement because in the end, Lois Banta and I were saying the same thing. The patient is ultimately responsible for their benefits. But I do think that it is part of our responsibility as uh, healthcare providers and, and also being in business as a service provider that we help our patients with their benefits. And I brought up the, um, the example of when my father had his heart attack, um, we really did not know what was covered and what was not going to be covered. Um, you, you have in, in the hospital, you're not thinking straight, you're, you're not aware of contracts, the contracts are so thick as a patient. Um, I'm not going to know about the contract. And so I would look to the billing office of the hospital to help me um, or the, the, the liaison of the hospital to help me. And as a dental office uh, person, I, I am more aware of what the dental contract says than what the patient 
um, knows. The, the patient will read that contract and it will just look like Greek. And so I, I see us as Rosetta Stones. I see us as the ones who are going to uh, translate that information into uh, into workable data that the patient can use because the patient can't make decisions based on information that they don't quite understand. I mean, that's that's pretty common sense. And so I do believe that we need to be the ones doing that uh, translation for them. Uh, the insurance panel also featured um, some questions for Christine on Medicare and where it's going. And, and she is of the opinion that Medicare is definitely going to be more involved and, and uh, combined with dental insurance in the future. And she made the point of saying that Medicare does have some co-payments and people are, are worried because when you see a Medicare patient, the Medicare patient thinks everything is covered, but that's just simply not true. Medicare has deductibles, Medicare has um, co-payments and all of that. So, so treat it as dental insurance, know what the responsibilities are going to be, and then talk to the patient about what their out-of-pocket um, investment is going to be. And, and so a lot of people are just very um, scared of of Medicare, they kind of see it as this big mystique um, insurance, and it's not like that. So you know, take some classes, read some, read some websites about it. Just just get to know it, and and you will be in a better position um, when it when it does eventually trickle its way down to your office. That was the first and, and last day of the Dentrix uh, Business of Dentistry, and it ended with a uh, wrap on the main stage. So basically, uh, they had a couple uh, speakers. So there was myself, Tom Clark, and uh, Lois Banta, and Amy Morgan, and Tim Twig. We all had seven minutes um, at the end of the day, and we all had to give our one more thing. Uh, and, and so what my one thing was, and it was basically the the idea was to uh, give the give the audience something that they could take back, you know, one last thing that they could take with them. And I talked about bubbles, and I know bubbles sounds really kind of goofy and all of that, but but why I talked about bubbles is that I, when people were coming up and talking to me in um, you know in the in the exhibit hall and in classes, I would hear a lot of, well, I'm the hygienist, I'm the assistant, I'm the this or I don't do that I do this and and you know oh let me get somebody else to talk to you because that's not my job or that's not what I do and I also I, I equated that to bubbles because so often team members you can see the reluctance in their eyes to learn something new because they don't perceive it as being in their bubble their bubble is clinical their bubble is administrative or you know they just don't necessarily want to learn it and so I wanted, I wanted to impress upon the audience that we need to stretch our bubbles. You know, we, if we don't stretch, these bubbles tend to close in and we tend to do our job just in this little tunnel. We don't look outside. For example, if you're an insurance person, uh, you're not going to go and seek additional information because you're just so used to doing the same thing over and over again. And, and that is what I mean. I want, I want you uh, to stretch a little bit, burst out of your bubble. Don't don't have it so tight around you. And if you have anybody near you that's in that situation, burst the bubble. I gave the audience permission to burst their bubbles. On a larger scale, I was talking about bubble, the bubble of healthcare, and that yes, we are a little small part of the uh, healthcare um, landscape, 
but we're getting bigger and bigger. And, and of course, we know how huge we are, uh, how important the oral health um, is to the, to the rest of the body, but we're still getting that out there. We're still getting the word out. Now, it was great to have that experience to be on the main stage. Um, I appreciate the fact that Dentrix gave me that opportunity. It was good to see Christine Taxon. It was good to see Abe Casbo and Heidi and Denise and Janice and the GTS crew. That was awesome. It was good to see Karen from ADOM. The Dentrix crew has always been really good to work with, so it was good to see Matt Thomas and Brad and Steve and um, the lovely Tasha, who I always uh, appreciate spending time with just a really good conference and they're going to have it again 2019 uh, so I would definitely make plans to attend that um, what I would like you to take away from today is you know go to a big meeting go to CE mix with more of more dental people and talk to other people so until the next podcast and uh, the next episode of nobody told me that uh, we will see you later Subscribe to this podcast so you'll get our next candid discussion. Visit Teresa's website, odysseymgmt.com. That's odysseymgmt.com for more information on Teresa's courses, books, and speaking schedule. Subscribe to her newsletter while you're there. Don't say we didn't tell you that.